Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And sitting across from me today is 97.7 Hits FM on your personality and music director, Siobhan Woodrow. Siobhan, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. I mean, thank you for having me. And furthermore, thank you for pronouncing my name properly. Siobhan. (laughs) Yeah, you nailed it, man. Do you get a lot of Siobhan? I get every variation that you could possibly think. (laughs) There's letters popped in that aren't even in my name. People take a lot of creative liberties (laughs) with my name. (laughs) But I get it. I get it. It's, It's complicated. It's Irish. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's brownie points whenever somebody gets it right. Awesome. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I did. So on the uh, – this is funny. On the Hits FM website, it says that uh, you love punk rock, which I know. Yes. But you don't take garbage from anyone. <laughs> yeah. I would like to go on the record and say that I did not write that. <laughs> I would not write that about myself, although I won't deny it either. So there you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So you uh, you do a lot of other stuff as well, Siobhan. You do um, podcast production. I do. Right? So now, do you have your own? You have your own podcast. I right? do. What's it called? It's called She's a Punk. Awesome. Uh, as is my brand. I'm very yeah. thorough and consistent. Yeah. So She's a Punk is a podcast that has uh, been going on for a short period of time. It's been in production since about October. Cool. We just released uh, on the fifth of this month. Yeah. And it really is, um, we call it like an intimate portrait of radical women cool. who are guided by a punk rock ethos. So it's not necessarily musicians, although sometimes they are. Yep. You know, it's women from all sorts of different disciplines. If you're like an artist, an athlete, an activist, yep. a teacher, whatever, if you're guided by punk rock, you're who I want to talk to. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and you don't do it by yourself, then you do it with somebody else. Well, my partner does help me out with some of the back end stuff yeah. uh but it's it really is a one-woman show okay, mm-hmm. okay. in addition to that you also do voiceover work i do yes awesome what kind of stuff have you done lately uh <laughs> oh i do commercials constantly yeah yeah so uh i could do you know like a hard sell i can do a soft sell do you want to go to the monster truck rally <laughs> or if you want to go down to like with the family because there's a sale on at zares you yeah, know i gotta do i do everything yeah well that's kind of the thing like when you're in radio they just need a voice mm-hmm. they just need somebody in the booth so you know it doesn't really matter what's going on often also because i'm really the only woman there mm-hmm. uh so if they need a chick to be in the commercial i'm often the one yeah. So I have a lot of women trapped inside of me as well, I like to think. <laughs> How long have you been at 97.7? Uh, not long, man. It's been a spell. So I've been there since, oh man, like a year. Mm. Like this time last year, I was okay. I was packing up all my gear. I left Barry where I previously was at a different radio station. Oh, wow. And I drove down, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So packed one year. I moved down there. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Toronto too. So I like I moved to Barrie. Yeah. Uh, I graduated from Humber okay. College from yep. the broadcasting program, yep. and I packed up and I went to a pop station. That was my first radio station. Was a pop station okay. and I had a really great time. People yeah. always ask me like, they're like, oh god, did you hate that? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it was amazing. It was wonderful. Uh, and then I went to a heritage rock station there, which was yeah. Rock 95, and I loved it. Yeah, I know that station. Cool. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, like, when you drive up to your cottage, you're going yeah. up to the Muskokas, you're going to Aurelia. I was your evening and weekend gal, so I was, yeah. like, your cottage gal. Awesome. Yeah, so I did that for about, um, you know, like, eight or nine months, and then I actually got poached by 97.7. Oh. So they 
stole me and Look i was like you. all right i guess i'm going so <laughs> right. awesome. yeah very cool yeah okay so when we were talking about uh you coming on the show you said i'm going to bring the punk and you did I only kind of did, I feel like. You, you did. Well, your punk is like L7 and Rancid. But mm-hmm. then you've got some other nice stuff in here too. Lauren Hill, The Clash. I like it. It's a very well-balanced list. It's awesome. I really do toe this line that I think I've invented where I just really enjoy soul and punk rock. And those are like my, my two the two halves of my heart. It's like yin and yang. Yeah. It balances you out. Yeah. <laughs> but these, like Elvis Costello, this is like there's a punk ethos involved in, yes. in this stuff. Right. And, and Elvis Costello is kind of the the Switzerland there. You know what I mean? He really does kind of – he's <laughs> the right. crux it's of true. those two things. And Elvis Costello really is, you know, my favorite singer. Yeah. Oh, really? My favorite vocalist, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Mike Patton's on that list and yep. he's – I mean, he's wild. So he's yes. he's right there. I yep. really do love a good set of pipes. Good. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with uh, Patty's pipes. Patty Smith and Summer Cannibals. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. I think I like that record because, I mean, I'm a huge Patti Smith fan. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, Patti Smith changed my life. Oh. And I met her once in Toronto. Oh. I'm, I'm prone to go on a weird tangent, so, you know, bear with me. Yeah. I met her once briefly. She was here doing a book signing at the AGO. Okay. And I went to her and I said, Miss Smith, you're my hero, man. And she was like, oh, God. And the reason why I kind of love her so much, and it ties into the song Summer Cannibals, is that she released that record like later in her life. Mm-hmm. You know, mostly when we know, we think of Patti Smith, we think of horses and that early stuff, yeah. you know, which was so amazing and so integral to the punk music. But she wrote that record when she was like 45 years old, and she screams on it. It's arguably some of her heaviest stuff. Yeah. So I think that kind of really sums up nicely everything that Patti Smith is. She's just heaps of integrity and she's so progressive and she keeps challenging herself over and over again as she yeah. ages. Yeah. She's in her 70s now and she's just always evolving as an artist. Yeah. And I really aspire to that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really think that there's a time where you take a break from punk rock. I think that you just keep going. Yes. You know, and that's why I love that record so much because it's some of her heaviest stuff and she released it way later into her career. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, uh, she, she is still out there doing it, right? Oh, yeah. And she's yeah. still writing books. I mean, she's a very prolific writer as well. Yeah. She's written some of my favorite books. You know, maybe I'm biased. I don't know. <laughs> I think that she's a, such a wonderful writer yeah. and she's a wonderful photographer. She's really a yes. multidiscipline, um, artist, which is something to really admire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agree. And talk about a pioneer. I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always think about, you know, I think about Patti Smith. I think about Chrissy Hind. Yeah, of course. Debbie Harry's still out there now. Sure. Degree, right? Blondie's about to tour this summer. Yes. So, I mean, come on. Good on them. I feel like Chrissy Hind sometimes gets a little ripped off. I don't think yeah. she kind of gets the accolades that she maybe deserves. No. For whatever reason, she's not woven into like the history of pioneering girl bands as much as she probably should be. And I don't really know why that is. Is it the 80s popularity, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's just because the Pretenders were kind of seen differently later on, and maybe that mm-hmm. kind of diluted some of the initial punch. But that shouldn't really take away from what Chrissy Hyde did. Like, no. she was a mover and a shaker, like a lot of them. Yeah. You know? She was in that gang. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, more women. L7. Yes. Shitless. <laughs> Tell me about this. You know, I when I was thinking about some of these tunes, and I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time. Because it's so hard to pick a track. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So, you know, by no means is this my favorite L7 song. Mm-hmm. It's not. 
but it's maybe one of their most important in their catalog to me because it was kind of the one how I found them. That's what I'm looking for. Right? It's because yeah. it was on the uh, Natural Born Killer soundtrack. Yeah. When I was really young, I, I comped that on VHS and it was a double, double VHS and I brought it home. And the Natural Born Killer soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. It is amazing. So say what you will about Oliver Stone. If that's not your bag, he's not for everyone. I get that. But that soundtrack was perfectly curated. Yes. And then I found L7. And when you're a little kid and you grow up a lot around, you know, old white guys (laughs) (laughs) singing and screaming and and a lot of stuff that I love and still maintain that I love. When you find a woman who's singing and screaming instead, you, you know. It changes. It changes your DNA all of a sudden. You're mm-hmm. like, finally, because it, it's good to feel represented. Yeah. You know, especially when you're a kid, because I think you always want to be a part of a gang when you're a kid. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So when I found L7, that's why Shitless kind of made the list. Yeah. Because ultimately, is it my favorite track in their catalog? No, it's not. But it is their gateway for me. And I think it was for a lot of people because yes. that was one of the really, really big songs. Yeah. 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 No, I like that. Good. Uh, Stevie Wonder, Change of Direction. Oh, yeah, man. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. Interesting pick. Again, not my favorite Stevie Wonder song. Yeah. However, <laughs> it was a part of a soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember the movie called Now and Then. No, I don't. So. There's a reason why, because it really was not marketed towards you. It was made in like 1996, I want to okay. say. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a, it was like a coming of age story for young girls, and it was based in the seventies, okay. or sorry, in the sixties, in the sixties, okay. early sixties. And in that soundtrack was Stevie Wonder's "Signed, Sealed, Delivered," hmm. and the soundtrack was incredible. And I got the soundtrack. Remember Columbia, the yes. Columbia magazines? For you get exactly. Yep. And I was like, I pitched it to my mom. I was like, listen, mom. I was like a little kid. I was like, listen, lady, we got to talk for a second. (laughs) I need this soundtrack. This is very, very important to me. I don't know how we're going to work this out. What am I going to do? Clean something, do the dishes. I need the soundtrack. My parents are really, really musical people. So she was like, okay, well, you know, whatever. (laughs) Do what you got to do. Clean your room. I will pay the one cent. You will understand the value of this for a transaction for goods. Okay. And I got the soundtrack for now and that, and Stevie Wonder was on it. And I have loved soul music just forever and ever. Me too. Yeah. I just, I just love it. Like it cuts through me like a knife. It's not a guilty pleasure. It is truly like one half of who I am. Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, it's yeah, it's it's not my favorite Stevie Wonder track, but it's very important to me because it yeah. was kind of a gateway. Uh, Janis Joplin, Turtle Blues, Deep Cut Again. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, I love Turtle Blues. Yeah. You, you, you know the song you yeah. know what I'm talking about. I think it's my theme song. Really? How's I think that? it is. I think at least at a point it was my theme song. Okay. Because I'm a more settled woman now. Okay. I'm a, at least 45% more grown up. Yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> but the lyrics are, I ain't the kind of woman to make your life a bed of ease. Yeah. And it's her at a piano. And in the background, there's glasses smashing, and there's people kind of talking off mic, and there's fights going around, and it's just her in a bar saying, I ain't the kind of woman to make your life a bed of ease. And 
it just, I mean, what else can I say about that without getting deep into my psyche? I think that's just my, my theme song. <laughs> Didn't you love that kind of idea, you know, back then where they record and there's stuff going on in the background? Like you listen to those old Stones records and everything. You can hear people talking. I love an off the floor. Just organic. Yeah. Right? I really love an off the floor. I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's, just... it's so wonderful. What's that? You know, Mary Clayton. Did you yes. ever see that? Yeah. Did you ever see that that interview with her when she's talking about doing her part? Yeah, in Give Me Shelter. And yeah, Give Me Shelter. She's singing about rape, murder, and she's yeah. there. She's pregnant, yeah. like seven months pregnant, with rollers in her hair, and she's yeah. in a muumuu. Yeah, it's like three o'clock in the morning. That's right. And you can hear Mick in the background being like, "Yeah." You hear him do that right after him. her voice cracks. You can hear him go, "Woo!" Yeah. Yeah. You can, and and they just left it. Yeah. That is the best thing about music for me. Is yeah. You feel like you're there. It's authentic. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I mean, getting stuff like that, it's hard to recreate that. You it's can't, hard. You, it's, you can't. can't really fabricate it. No. You really can't. No. And I think that if you tried, you'd have to be very fucking good for mm-hmm. it to pass the smell test. Yeah. Because most people are not going to be buying your shit. Anybody no. worth it is not going to be buying your shit. I think, you know, you can point that stuff out as a music fan. I mean, there's a lot of bands out there that try to be organic on purpose, right? Yeah, like what is that though? <laughs> just, they, try, they try for that organic sound and it just it, it just doesn't it, it doesn't come across. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not there. you can record on tape if you, you want to go analog. That's maybe the best way you can fabricate something like yeah, that. Yeah, the Jack White approach. You know, uh I'd be hard pressed to find a way to execute that successfully. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah. Elvis Costello. Yeah, my boy. Love it. Yeah, I want you. Great tune. That's a really good song, and I will say it again: not my favorite Elvis Costello song, but there's mm. something about that song that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking. Like that tune, it's what? really slow. What album is this on? Uh, it's something from, I think, like, 82. I'm not going to remember the name of it. Isn't My Aim Is True? It's not My Aim Is True, no. Okay. Uh, is it? No, it's mm-hmm. not. We should Google this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can you hear the tune in your head? Oh, it's, yeah, I totally, want you. yeah. It's, and it's yeah. really slow. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. It it's sounds so desperate when he's singing it. And you buy it. You yeah. buy what he is selling, That's man. That's believable. And there's something, there's something that I really love about being to hear heartbreak on a track yes where somebody's like ripping their heart out of their chest and setting it on fire into a microphone yeah like i want you and i'm like i believe you but again you can't fake that stuff no you know when it's fake yeah and that's not fake it's not man and that that song is like you shouldn't listen to it when you're driving like (laughs) it's dangerous man (laughs) it is and it should be yeah music is exhausting to me Mm mm-hmm I don't spend a ton of time listening to music casually right now. Mm-hmm. I really don't because music is so exhausting to me. Yeah. Um, I'm not casual. I'm not a casual fan. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of effort to listen to, to shit that you love. Yes. I, I rarely listen to things passively. Yeah. You know, I, I don't agree. Know. I listen to a lot of talk now. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Like podcasts? Yeah, like podcasts and okay. stuff. Just because. If I need passive listening, I can't fall asleep to music. No, me either. Do not do it. I can't. Yeah. You, don't, you don't do it either, eh? No, it's because you're so tuned into it. Yeah. You're so dialed in that, you know, and to your point, there's some music that's hard to hear. You know, those songs that really kind of have your number emotionally. 
Yeah. Those are hard to listen to sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it takes effort Yeah. to to be in those lyrics. Right. You know, it's not it. Most tunes, if they're worth their salt, it's not like it's not a fucking walk in the park. That's right. You know, so I mean, that's not true of everything. There's some really brilliant, fun, fluffy pop music that is wonderful in its own right. Yeah. But it's not going to it's not going to floor me. It's not going to put me on my ass. No, not in a deep, meaningful way. No. Just almost in a convenient way. Yeah. And accessible. And there's nothing wrong with accessibility. You know, sometimes I think that accessibility gets a bad rap. Not everything needs to be so deep and complicated to be valuable. Agree. It's just a different type of value. Yep. You know, and pop music can provide that for you. If you want to go listen to early early Madonna and dance and have a good time, yeah. that has wonderful value. Yeah. It's just a different type of value. Yeah. Yeah. It scratches an itch. It's like chewing hubba bubba gum, right? Yeah, versus a Chew fucking it, steak. Yeah. Then you spit it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> Uh, wow. Mr. Bungle. Yeah. Pink cigarette. I forgot all about this. Oh, never, never forget it. (laughs) (laughs) This This is from the record California. Yeah. Um, which is a absolute, absolute masterpiece, top to bottom. That is not easy listening. Yeah. No, God, no. Nothing about that record is breezy. Yeah. It is a fucking journey from (laughs) top to bottom. It is an absolute journey. Yeah. I got that. I started listening to that record when I was really young. Really? Yeah. Like how young? Mm, I don't know. 15? Okay. And uh I thought you were going to say younger. Like 8. 7? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 31, you know, like there's an age ranger. I I think that record in particular introduced me to a world of more complicated music. For sure it did. Cuz I was listening to a lot of a lot of punk rock. Yeah. Which is notoriously not terribly complicated by design. Yeah. Which I love. Yep. Um, but there's something about, I mean, a lot of Mike Patton's work is so deeply weird and deeply complicated and and it's not easy to listen to. Some of it is, I would argue, maybe a hot take, but unlistenable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some of his weirder shit, it gets too weird for me. Yeah. But I like to give it a shot. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll sweat it out to listen to what Mike Patton's doing. Yeah. I'll try. <laughs> you know? So you you like you like Mr. Bongo? You said you hadn't you hadn't thought about that for a while. I'm not like a super fan. I remember I want to say uh, when did Mr. Bongo come out? Ninety, like eighty nine or something. Was it that? Early? Or that would have been Faith No More. Faith No More would have been eighty nine. Because it kind of happened sort of simultaneously at one point. They had crossover. Yeah, because Faith No More was like eighty nine ninety, mm-hmm. right? I just remember listening to it when I was at university. Yeah. It was like, it's it was heavy. I mean, like thematically heavy. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I always thought it was funny because they, they named the, the group after this kind of public service announcement type thing mm-hmm. where Mr. Bungle was like the, the evil kind of antithesis to what you should be doing. So it was yeah. like, you should always wash your hands. Mr. Bungle never washes his hands. I mean, you don't want to be like Mr. Bungle. Yeah. That's where they got the name, I that's, think. But that's cool. Right. I feel like there was a big trend in the 90s where you were just naming your band after um, like cheesy stuff, like B-movies, you know, yeah. like Mud Honey and, you know. I'm thinking you're clever. Well, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that was just the jam at the time. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, because people didn't. It was almost. It was almost pre hipster. They didn't want to, you know, give the uh, idea that they put too much thought into it, or or, or that it meant that much to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like we just call it band. This doesn't matter, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Just uh, try to shug everything off, like none of your art matters, and totally. hopefully some someday it'll matter. Exactly. <laughs> but if it doesn't, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. That's how I feel every day. That's how I get up, <laughs> get out of bed. Whatever, man. Life. Oh, I'm up again. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> All right. The Clash. Another yeah. deep cut. Police on my back. I don't know this tune. It's from Sandinista. That's why. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was their ambitious four. Uh, it was their quad album. Yeah. Which arguably probably could have been a double album. Yeah. I think that was generally acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. Actually, you know what? There's a version of it. I don't know if you like live records. You like live records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a live record that was kind of unearthed. It was live at Shea Stadium. Okay. And it's The Clash opening for The Who. Oh, wow. Wow. I know. And it was this weird period of time where, like, London Calling was, like, just about to drop, so they weren't that big yet. Okay. So they were opening uh, at Shea Stadium. And it's one of the best live records. It is so nicely recorded, and everything about it is so warm, and and it's raining, and and Joe Strummer's yelling at the audience like it's raining but it doesn't matter and get up and let's do this and mm-hmm. I mean Joe Strummer's so charismatic and they recorded that as an opening act yeah wow yeah Strange. yeah it's wild hey yeah yeah and it's a it's a brilliant album like if you only get one you only take one thing away from this whole interview <laughs> <laughs> go grab live at Shea Stadium yeah yeah no I want to yeah wow I had no idea yeah, it's it's a I just I like that track too. Be I don't know. I used to be very um, rebellious, if you can imagine. Used to be. <laughs> used to be. I'm like I'm I'm pretty together now. I gotta say. <laughs> After this, what is it? It's like seven thirty on a Friday night. I'm gonna go home. I'm probably gonna go to bed. Watch Jeopardy reruns. That's likely what I'll do. <laughs> but at a different time in my life, that would not be the case. And that's why I. I like police on my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a woman I used to be. <laughs> All right. Next is rancid and nihilism. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know this one. Yeah. Well, okay. So this came off the record called let's go. Okay. Um, it is such a wicked album. It's a double album. It's, it's so good. It is, uh, I mean, Rancid somehow has managed to sonically basically stay the same throughout their entire career from like, I mean, early 90s to last year you know they have just stayed the same and i don't know if that's just a testament to tim armstrong's writing because he's such a strong writer and he has such a strong aesthetic Mm -hmm. that it is you know does not mature necessarily but it is unwavering in a way that you can rely on yeah i like that you can rely on rancid to sound like rancid they never bail on you no artistic development and i don't need it (laughs) i do not need it in fact i don't want it you yeah. stay the same, keep producing the same amazing <laughs> record over and over again. Yeah. And again, Nihilism is a, is a wonderful music video, number one. I think that that was a music video that a lot of uh, young kids, when they were seeing it, it, it kind of set the tone for Rancid's aesthetic because Rancid really presents like a, I guess what you would consider to be a very stereotypical punk band of yeah. the 90s era of punk that came in. Okay. You know, they looked a lot gnarlier than like your, if you're thinking about MTV era, like the Offspring or Green Day. Mm-hmm. They're way gnarlier. Yeah, for sure. And they looked it. And I remember seeing a rancid music video and being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. 
and it blew your mind because previous to that, punk rock was the Ramones. Yes. And, you know, the Clash. And the Sex Pistols. And, of course, the Sex Pistols. And the Sex Pistols looked, you know, like a punk band, like as we would come to know anyways. Yes. Because London kind of won, ultimately, yeah. in terms of that look. Yeah. In terms of that look only. Yeah. Uh, but then when, once you saw Rancid, you're like, holy shit, man. What the <laughs> fuck? I got to get in on this. I got to get on this on this shit, man. And Rancid was super important because that's when kind of punk stopped living in 1977 and kind of up yes. to the 90s for me. Yeah. For me. Because obviously then I had to go back and find the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was born in 87, so you kind of have to reach back. That would be interesting, wouldn't it, for you? Yeah. yeah. So I was raised on really like nineties, nineties punk rock. So it yeah. was like Operation Ivy and you know and Rancid and so that was kind of the stuff that I grew up on. And then you have to reach back and find the roots. So let me ask you a question. So you, when you discovered music, it's probably about what eight or nine. Yeah. So what you know, you think you have this opportunity to kind of select your genre, mm -hmm. right? And it's almost like a kind of a self-identification thing. For me, it was. I was a metal, Absolutely. I was a metal kid. I grew yeah. up in like eight, the 80s. I was a teenager. So it was like I needed stronger sensations. Yeah. I grew up in a small town. I wanted something that was loud and hard and all the rest of it. I could have picked Springsteen. I could have picked Metallica. I could have picked whatever. Yeah. Why did you pick punk? Um, I think there's a few ways to probably answer that. I will try to be succinct, as I am <laughs> often not. <laughs> uh, my folks are, are really into music. Mm. I'm the youngest in my family. There's nobody around my family but my immediate family because they're my folks are immigrants yeah. from Ireland. Okay, so they came here, and we had a lot of Irish music playing in our house. Yeah, which is really fast yeah. and upbeat. And think of the Pogues. Yeah, yeah. So that was a foundation. And my mom was like a folky. She's really into folk. And I was like, there's a lot of political See, that makes sense. energy there. Yeah. But it's too slow. Yeah. Did I have a Bob Dylan face? Absolutely. Okay. Did I know about Nana Miscori? Still do. <laughs> but I liked I liked the energy and I liked the idea of folk music. And I, I like folk music more now that I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. But my sister was really into goth. She was okay. really into Marilyn Manson, you know, because think about Timeline. Yes. She was really into Marilyn Manson, and then it was like Bauhaus and Sisters of Mercy. Yep. You know, my dad was into just about everything, but a lot of world music. Oh. Um, he liked a lot of Latin music. Okay. Which, like, an old Irish white guy, like, well, who that saw that coming? Yeah. Regardless, okay. there's a lot of music in my house. I mean, you could come down the street, and you'd hear the, oh, my dad's home, because you could hear the fucking music coming from the backyard. Yeah. So by the time I trickled down, I'm the youngest- from all these influences, you know, you don't want to be like anybody else. You uh, want an opportunity to rebel. Yes. Like, I'm not going to be in any of your shit. No, I'm not. That's, that's not my bag. But punk rock and my, um, I want to say very natural rebellious nature, mm -hmm. <laughs> hand in hand, I'm like, hoof out who? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's almost like trying on clothes, right? And that's yeah. That's just, just the jacket that fit you the best. Yeah. And it happened to be leather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chains on it. Yeah. <laughs> a, a with a circle. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, it just, it, it really did just inform everything else about me. It informed my politics and it mm -hmm. informed my choices and it informed the way I approach education and voting yeah. and uh, sexual politics and yeah. gender politics. And, and it's never stopped. In fact, punk rock is 
has, has never been something that I have grown out of. I have only grown into it more. I think that's great. And I, it, I just can't imagine abandoning it. Like it'll, it's too much a part of who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're true to yourself. Yeah. Like it's unavoidable, man. Well, I, I like that. You know, that's not the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I hear people say it like, um, especially because, you know, I work in music and, and people see me, people often think I'm younger than I am. Um, I don't know if it's just because of the way I dress or the way I'm a bit of a silly person. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But you look young. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I drink a lot of water. You know, I quit smoking, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people are always like surprised to find out how old I am, and then they um um are like, "Oh man, I used to go to shows. Mm. I used to wear a lot of band shirts. I used to do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, you don't have to grow out of it. I get why people do." And you mature and you grow into something else and mm-hmm. what you are and your look and, and whatever yep. develops and becomes something else. I just can't imagine that'll be the case for me for whatever reason. No need. Yeah. No need yeah. for it. Yeah. This is a song that is very unpunk. It's Lauren Hill mm. on your list next. It's I Find It Hard to Say. Yeah. So this is the soul balancing out. Yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love soul soul music, you know, and that's kind of like how Stevie's there and, and even, you know, Janice. Yep. If we're, you know, thinking about bridging the gap between rock and roll and, and just blues. Mm-hmm. I love Lauren Hill is a brilliant lyricist. Yeah. And I'm I also really love hip hop. Mm-hmm. I really, really love hip hop. Okay. Um, because I think that punk rock and hip hop are on just different sides of the same street. Mm-hmm. At least in the early days, maybe not right now, but all throughout the 80s and 90s, you know? Yeah. But that that record in particular, that's that's her live record. That's her MTV Unplugged album. Mm-hmm. So that's a really amazing album because it's just her and a guitar. And she plays guitar not very well, I will say. She really doesn't. <laughs> but she plays it like she's making beats. Okay. So she picks like a... Like a picking pattern. It's like a percussive thing. Right? Yeah. And she uses like beats. Okay. So you you could tell that she's only grown up around hip hop and soul music uh, her whole life. Interesting. Because it's just that, 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 that's it. Yeah. Like beats. That's it. It doesn't wow. change. She doesn't do anything else up and down the neck. That's it. She fucks up a little a few times. She has to stop and she's like, ah, oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry. She cries throughout the record. Seriously? I mean, this is on the, 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 the cusp of a, what ended up becoming a very public mental, mental breakdown. Yeah, right. Yeah. For her. And she wasn't paying her taxes and she was breaking up with her husband and she was having a lot of troubles, man. Wow. She's still in a, a heap of trouble for back taxes. Is she? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, she's in trouble. Like anything that she made off the Fuji's is likely belongs to the government. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So I think she was like a little, I don't know. I don't like to use like anti-pro mental health language, but she just, she lost it somewhere along the way. She lost touch with reality. And this record is like the, the edge of that happening to her. And it's her crying largely for like 24 tracks. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. You have to, and you yeah. will not be disappointed. You'll be like, that Siobhan girl, she was onto something. <laughs> <laughs> because if, you want, if you're thinking about what's going to give you goosebumps, yeah. that record. Yeah. That record will make you fucking cry. That's the record you sit down with a bottle of wine and be like, all right, I got to be alone for this. Really? Because, yeah. 
I definitely will. This year, in all seriousness, I will have a listen because I do love that kind of music. Oh, it's I like it's that wonderful. Experience. Oh my god, it's an experience. I've yeah. shown that that album to so many people, and people that have, would have no reason to like it, really, and come back to me and say, "Oh shit, what a ride!" Okay, I'm definitely going to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. All right, your last tune, Amy Winehouse, "Back to Black." Yeah, yeah. Another troubled female. Yeah, I know. What a theme, hey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I that's probably the newest song on there. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it. It is, actually. That came out in 2007. That's when that album came out. Yeah. I love Amy Winehouse. Yeah, so do I. A lot. I think uh, I felt a connection that I did not even want to acknowledge Yeah. with Amy Winehouse. Yeah, absolutely. Extremely tragic and... I don't know how to describe this, but you know, you, you have heard these stories before, the Janis Joplins, and but now we watch this happen. Mm-hmm. We watch it unfold in real time, mm-hmm. and that was tough to do. Because, it's very rare in history that uh, we see a star just burn out in front of you, yeah, real time. Completely came apart in front of you as a person. It Most was, of the Twenty Seven Club, um, you know. A majority, the large majority of that we did not see happen. Right. Exactly. Right. We just have context of history and what leftover work we have. That's right. But I think with Amy, she was a very special artist. She was incredibly talented, deeply talented. And I think that she kind of shook up the world of popular music when she came out in the early 2000s. Nothing had kind of shaken the world up in a while. That's right. And um, I just, I remember... Because I'm sober. So I'm just about two years sober. Congrats. Thanks. And uh, I just, I got her in this way that I hated, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because she just felt like me. Like, I just got her. And I was like, you fucking mess. Because me too. Yeah. You know? I actually have an Amy Winehouse tattoo that's that's a lightning bolt. She has the same one. Oh, wow. So it's kind of discreet because you wouldn't know it. Yeah. Which is the only way that I would (laughs) do that anyways. But yeah, um, I remember finding out finding out that she died over the radio. And it's weird because I've since then delivered the news of death because I wasn't on the radio right. back then. And, yeah. it, I, and it was really, really impacted my broadcasting career because I was in a car yeah. with a family uh, with a, an ex-boyfriend at the time when I was like 25 or something. Mm-hmm. And they turned up the radio and it was uh, Amy Winehouse passed away at 27. Oof. And I was like, it rocked my world in that moment. Yeah. Thank God I was wearing a seatbelt and I wasn't driving. It, it rocked my world, yeah. truly. And I'm with these three other people and they're like, oh, what a drunk <gasps> bitch. Oh, tragedy. I mean, really, but it was about time. She's such a mess. Oh, and like, no. to me, I was like, who, like, you know, it felt like a friend, you know, because yeah. that's how music feels. Of course. It was really insensitive. And because of that experience, and I, I wanted to be like, okay, that's the hold your role now. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. I was always very sensitive about the way, like, I had to tell everybody that Chris Cornell died. Mm. And I had to tell everybody that, uh, that Gord Downey died. Yes. Right, so I was on air for both those things. And that is not easy news to deliver. Those are two people that meant a lot to a lot of folk. Yeah. Um, and I've always just taken such care of delivering tragic news Good. ever since then. Mm-hmm. So that wow. really impacted me in a in a positive way because it, it made me think about sobriety as well. Now, I did not get sober immediately. Mm. I partied for a few more years, but it did have an impact on my decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah, man. This has been a really great chat. This is a good one. Yeah, is it right? probably the best one you've ever done? No, not <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> but only history will tell if it you was the most important. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> is that good? That was great. Thank you so much for Amazing. coming in. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. This has been No Sleep Till Subbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Siobhan Woodrow. Good pronunciation. Until <laughs> <laughs> next time, folks. Take good care. <laughs> Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.